International. guys, welcome to Leading the Blind. Uh, it's a podcast that uh, I'm started. I'm Ariel Norman, and this is my host. Jared McCorkle, that's me. Co-host. Uh, and we have started a podcast together that is uh, about getting uh, advice from other comedians uh, on comedy and on comedy careers. And uh, we have found that uh, it's... Uh, I've looked for... Uh, comedy podcasts that are about uh, advice specifically but i haven't really found anything like that so we decided to start one that's right uh yeah and so i can't even find any comedy podcasts like i just don't know yeah it's what true, a podcast right? is not I, a lot of not a lot of comedy podcasts at all you know what if you're listening to this start a comedy podcast not enough and uh don't put it up on itunes use all the others it's so cool when you don't use itunes and uh, so, yeah, we're starting this podcast together, and uh, our first... Oh, shit, we'll see now. What? I was thinking... Because well, now I, f- I kept saying we're starting the podcast together, yeah. and now we were going to do Kath, but we're not going to do her first. That's right. We could do her first. You know what? We could do a first. Why not do the woman first? Because uh, women come second. Because I was trying to do like, because we've recorded several men and only one woman, so I was going to do like a f- couple of guys and then a girl. To get people then... used to the idea of comedy, and then it's like, a girl too? That's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Um, no, but you know what? Let's start with Kath. You Let's know do what? It. She had a lot to say. She did. She had a lot of good stuff to say. She was my favorite. That is true. Well, I didn't even like the other ones. She's yeah. the only good one. She smelled the best. For sure. Just kidding. That was probably Daniel. Anyway, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, then our first uh, our first guest that we're gonna uh, share with you guys is Cath uh, Barbadoro, one of the best stand ups in Austin. She is the real deal. She is the real deal. She is hilarious. I love her. And uh, yeah, one of the one of the people in the scene because it's really I'm not a good laugher. I'm not a good genuine laugher. I really try to like laugh when I appreciate stuff out loud. Well, it's always good to, to approach laughter that way. Trying to do it. They say fake it till you make it. There's a whole thing, like a whole yoga called laughing yoga, where you um, you really just go. Defend <laughs> it by saying there's a yoga. <laughs> it must, it's healthy, um, <laughs> but she often makes me genuinely laugh, which is a real joy and Fuck treat. Yeah. It's a, it's it's uh, amazing when someone can make you laugh, and uh, you uh, are gonna love uh, this episode. And if you're a, a comedian who's interested in. Uh, Furthering your career, uh, you've got a lot to learn from this. Hell yeah! Some point we're gonna yeah. need to record an uh, intro, an intro mm-hmm. and yeah. so we'll you know maybe even cut this a classic intro part out, or we'll do that annoying thing that all podcasts do, where we talk about how we're gonna cut it out mm-hmm. and then we yeah. don't, and then. But I think what Kath everybody said is, shakes their head at us at home. <laughs> I think what Kath said is true. That is there's just no way to kind of do it because even if we do that thing where we like record and we'll do an intro later, I feel the need. To be mm-hmm. like, okay, now we were starting. The yeah, podcast. totally. To, to set the That's set it. the scene. Yeah. Um, also, I I'm glad you were on today, Kath, because I, I wanted to tell Ariel we've now started apparently an accidental comedy duo. 
It's uh, yeah. Oracle and Barbadero. And not because I should get top billing, but I we have been on this show, like I think four now or something, something like that. Something like that. I've followed him. Yeah. Like, it's always Jared and then me. Like, but, for yeah, like yeah. a bunch of shows in for the like, last two weeks. four shows. That's yeah. Funny. yeah. I Every now and then it just happens. They've all gone well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like you your know. names are part of it at least near each other alphabetically. So nope. it's not like people are just being like, "Who haven't I?" <laughs> same vibe, yeah. same vibe. I mean, they'll never. Well, th- this is the thing. They'll never put. If there's only two women on a show, they're never going to put two women back to back. Super weird. Although I've done it. I do it sometimes. Me too. I, I've because done I'm done it. gender blind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's rare. But then you were saying that there was like another gay dude that you kept going back to back with. So that's sort of like yeah, that, yeah, that is weird. And it was on in that show too. It was. It was, it was, like, it was who Kai, was it? Kai, it was Kai. I just couldn't yeah, remember yeah. who was. You were. He just went like, in front of me, and then I. Yeah, yeah. I'm always happy to go after gay guys. Also happy to go after aerials. Uh, we get. Yeah, yeah. I'll follow anybody. Yeah, I feel. I'll follow anybody except Lashonda Lester. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. really hard to follow. It's. It made me nervous originally though when I had to follow other gay people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just where I in case they were going to say something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Like, I, I sort of feel that like following like a straight white woman or like especially like an overweight straight white woman. It's like mm, there's a lot of well trod territory in my act. Like, <laughs> well, I, I have more jokes now too. That's what makes. It, that's why I'm not nervous now. Before, if I was going to do ten yeah. minutes, I really only had ten minutes. And if somebody did one of my jokes, right. it's like, yeah. well, now I don't yeah, have it. But thing. see, now it's like if someone I like it. The more someone has in common with me, the more I like it because because then I can talk about whatever they talked about. I totally yeah. have things to say about. And if someone starts doing period jokes that even kind of verge on mine, yeah. then I'm happy to like just take what they said and go further. So That's like, interesting. You're yeah. also yeah. better off script than I feel like I am. I might be better than hey, some. Hey, speaking but of like... which, you should come to my show off script. <laughs> Saturday nights. Nice. Well, the other thing is like if you, if you just are, have been doing comedy, the longer you've been doing it, the more bits you have about different right. things. So like the last show, Jared and I, did he closed talking about vaginas and I have yeah. an old bit about vaginas that I haven't sure. done in a long time so I was yeah. like I'm just Yay. going to pretend that I'm thinking of this now yeah. mm-hmm. and it will become clear very soon to this audience that I'm not thinking of right. this now because <laughs> this is very clearly a written bit um, but yeah 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 but it's, I feel like that, that went well too because that felt like it kind of built on yeah, well yeah. the same way like a single person set might do that mm-hmm. like yeah if, as long as the things aren't the same joke then I think it does right. it works nicely yeah right yeah. Um, so, so Kath, you know about the the point of the show, right? Yeah, yeah. kind of. You, so you get basically, we're just going to ask you advice in like comedy yeah. writing, comedy career stuff, and oh, I have so many opinions. That's yes. great. That's great. And, and I'll put because a lot way. of these assholes don't have enough opinions. Oh man, I've ne- I've never <laughs> not had opinions. Well, that's why I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I was going to say this later, but I'm glad. That's why I'm glad you're on the show because I like comics with strong points of view. Right. I don't oh, think everybody you. has to have that, but I definitely am into that. Sure. Uh, so absolutely but uh, yeah and if you're not comfortable then this is what people ought to do we can just phrase it in like how do you do what you do sure yeah, yeah. Like I, what you do. I will I, I will probably this is the disclaimer part of this and then we can yes. do that yeah. and I won't have to disclaim perfect like yeah I um I have been very uh, relatively fortunate in my career. I have opinions about how. Sorry, I keep hitting the mic stand. I like. I have opinions about how I what has worked best for me, mm-hmm. uh, what I prefer in other people, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I'm not. I, no one outside of like 
whoever listens to the no one knows who I am I'm not making all my money from comedy yeah so I'm not like this is not I've never been proven right with any of this stuff <laughs> it's all conjecture the jury's so, out well, that, yeah. was, that was a much yeah. more professional way of saying what Pat would do when he was on he would say a piece of advice and be like but I'm a piece of shit yeah what how do I, I know it? You know? that's the, the Pat language for what I'm saying I'm <laughs> yeah. a piece of shit I have no idea um, I'm probably wrong about a lot of it because if I was right I'd probably be more successful uh, but I'll try that's why the show's called Leading the Blind it's exactly. you know the blind leading the blind none of us really knows what we're doing but if we can even help each other one yeah. step further along and the way it's no like, this is such a good idea because like when I started comedy I listened to so many comedy podcasts looking for those yes. like nuggets of like and yeah. you and there, yeah you this? have to find one nugget out of every four and a half hours <laughs> yeah. that you might you, you know yeah. of just like, like talking about a stripper story or something like yeah, that yeah which <laughs> that part's all great too but like and I don't know of any podcasts that are purely advice about like yeah. career stuff particularly I mean there's some where they're a little bit more like talking about comedy writing but mm-hmm. I don't know anywhere people are seriously trying to reckon with like because and everyone says like well nobody really knows what careers look like now we don't know that's what the, very true and yeah. that's all true but it's like well we can talk about what we might be thinking right. like, I don't even know what most people have any and, their ideas are and yeah. if there was only like one career then this would be a single podcast and not a bunch of yeah. different like right. a series so yeah absolutely and, and I look at y'all like your position like you might not be this like famous professional but I like in terms of like teaching you're like the TA of comedy like clearly no more you've been there but yeah, yeah. thank yeah. you Absolutely. that's very flattering yeah. yeah Jared and I are in grad school and <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that's how I present it to my fiance who more or less has to financially support yeah. me yeah it's like grad school it's yeah it's <laughs> that's what I told my parents too because like uh they were like asking me if I was ever considering that and it's like the only things I'm I'm interested in learning in a grad school environment are also things that I wouldn't make money at right so, like, exactly. yeah. this totally. is really saving you money I'm not getting a creative writing degree like that's what I was doing and I was faced with this weird but undeniable fact that academics is a bigger like roll of the dice than trying to do comedy Mm -hmm. because in comedy it might not be the craziest thing to be like maybe I could make $20,000 a year one day yeah yeah. yeah I just want to have a career yeah yeah um so let's get started with the questions though because we got to be on the ball okay um so how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, a little over six years. A little over six years. Yep. Cool. Six years in September. I'm always like, I don't know how long just about anybody's been doing comedy. Me neither. How long have you guys been doing comedy? Not long. So I'm approaching... I mean, for me. Sorry. Well, I'm at like two and three quarters. Mm-hmm. And I'm a year... I'm not a year and a half yet. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a year and a half... Probably two years in August. Nice. So, so he's yeah. a sophomore and I'm a yeah, junior. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah barely. Um, all right. And then do you hope to make a career out of comedy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Fuck, if yeah. so what uh, do you have any vision of like what that might look like? Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty flexible about what that would look like. I think like a lot of people, um, any time you don't have to have a day job is a win and like whatever that looks like is the best and I've been fortunate enough to kind of not have a day job in the past with comedy and right now I'm only working like a part-time day job and it's like so it's a slow sort of process but um I definitely think I'm more looking at my skill set and looking at what I personally enjoy doing I'm looking more toward the writing side. Um, I love performing. If I could just do stand-up and make a living doing that, I would. But I just know that that's hard to do, and I think there's certain reasons why it would be hard for me to do. Uh, Personal reasons, also reasons of the entertainment industry and all that stuff. Mm. Um, And I'm not... I don't really like... um, 
acting and I, I don't love being on camera, I like the writing part of it more. Yeah. So like if I could do something on camera, that would be cool. But like I'm more interested in the, gotcha. the writing part. So what kinds of things uh, would you write for? Yeah, um, I think that my strong suit is jokes like I as opposed to longer character stuff I I think I would be great at doing like punch up I think I'd be great on a late night show um but I'm trying to you know keep that wide open because you really don't get to choose yeah yeah yeah. so I think that that's like my strength but I also know that I need to and would like to develop more in the like sitcom arena and things like that Mm -hmm. and like get better at writing stuff like that because I mean stand-up is awesome and you get so much writing experience just from doing your own stand-up but if it there's so much instant gratification to that and it makes it hard to sit down and be like okay I'm gonna write a spec script yeah and no one's gonna see it and I'm gonna doubt it the entire time I'm writing it and then you're just like done and nothing happens you just like email it to someone and then never hear back so (laughs) I need to be more disciplined about doing that kind of stuff but um but yeah so writing. All right. So does that mean you're planning on moving to L.A. Uh, at some point? I'm actually going to be moving to New York mm-hmm. in um, the spring. I haven't figured out exactly when yet. We're but losing another one. Fuck yeah. I know, I'm sorry. I'll see you there. So Are you going to? Yeah, but uh, probably the so in a year from now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sweet. Yeah. It's okay. Another ambassador for the Austin comedy scene. Oh, can I sleep on your couch? That's what, no, not really. Um, perhaps. Once she because, has one. Well, I like, I'm sort of already sleeping on someone else's couch. <laughs> so. Also, a lot of people who with apartments in New York do not have a couch. Just letting, fair warning. Fair I'm very lucky in that my best friend um, doesn't do comedy and has a real Excellent. job nice. and makes money. And so she, I'm going to live with her in like a closet. That's like that's awesome. the plan. <laughs> I think awesome. four of us are going to move up to there together. Nice. And try to get like a two bedroom. Okay, it's crazy. Austin is expensive now. It is. In yeah, a absolutely. way, like I'm paying 700 for a really good, I really like where I'm at. Great location. I think it's worth it. But I'm talking about my buddy in New York. He's paying 450 He's living. Yeah, but it. I, he you probably, live in a hovel. He probably, course, it's a hovel. And also he found it after probably having lived there for a while. Or no, no, no. Really no. Hooked he, up. His, he's doing the same thing. He's living with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so they're in a two That's bedroom. the way you got to do right. it. And, but the thing is, is that I would rather pay 450 in right. that in New York even from comedy, just I think it's a cooler. Yeah, city but is and an amazing it, I mean, is he in like East Bushwick? What's the? How old are you? I'm 33. See, that is impressive to me because mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like I moved here. I moved to Austin to do comedy. Yeah, I was 22. I made minimum wage for three years. I didn't have a car. I rode the bus. I lived in shitty apartments. Yeah, and I was fine with it because like comedy is so fun. Yeah, and yeah, it's absolutely. like you just get. It, you, that part of your life is so exciting that you are willing to make sacrifices in other areas of your life. Yeah. yeah. I feel like at 28, I'm not as willing to do let that. Me, yeah, can, I, can, I, can I give you weirdly <laughs> inverted advice? Yeah. Just being 33, that is a mid-20s thing. Yeah. Because once you get to a certain point, if you've been kind of poor, you're like, well, just be poor. Yeah. I got like, yeah. It is very comforting to know that I can be poor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, it's, a, it's, it's like a superpower. Yeah. 
Like, I can, you have an capacity? <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, I mean, I also only have a part-time job, but that's just because I'm poor. And I'm just like, well, I'll just continue to be poor. That's yeah. Fine. But there is, I, I had this, like a lot of people I know, like almost a mini uh, midlife crisis in my mid-20s, like when I got out of the army, being like, I need to get my shit together. I need, and then after, it just cools down. It's like yeah. it's the same thing after I turned 30. Like I had a huge, like, I don't, uh, what's going to happen to me? Almost the day. I turned 30. Like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but you don't want kids, do you? What's that? Or you? Maybe? No, I do. But I like again when you're but also gay. Your when you're gay, man, you have to like. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's not gonna. We were talking about this the other night. Yeah, it's we, not yeah. gonna just happen to yeah, you exactly. if you're gay. And you have to have your shit. Like really, if you're even if you're like lower middle class, if you have a kid and you want to have a kid, you can probably make it work. People are doing yeah. it a lot. But in if if you're gay, like you have to like like yeah. have a career and <laughs> yeah. a house and all that kind yeah. of shit. No. And and the other thing is that honestly, now that I'm at that crossroads making the decision to be like you know i'm not gonna have kids i'm not gonna have family i'm gonna pursue this yeah it feels good yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah you're a, you're it's freeing probably yeah, yeah. i still want to have kids before we get off <laughs> writing i did want to ask you this yeah but what is there a thing that you see uh in the in younger comics or newer comics mm-hmm. that you wish that they wrote that they should think about this when they're approaching writing bits um i do think this is very austin specific advice sure, that's great um I think, and, and like, I, I'm not, this is the thing, I I think we all do this, I think I do this, I think I've done it the entire time I've been here, I think people here really underrate performance, sure. and I, I, we are a very smart town writing-wise, and we have very, very patient audiences um, who are very comedy literate and intelligent, and it's great, and we're spoiled for stage time, mm-hmm. but I think because of that, people they're not as concise as they should be with their writing. They take too long to get to the punchline mm-hmm. because audiences here will wait a minute to, to they'll hear you out. That isn't like that other places. Okay. So this is like two things. Oh, There's smart. Okay. Con- concision, mm-hmm. uh, writing like very specifically to the joke, especially in the beginning parts of your set. Yeah. You need to demonstrate that you're funny right away. Yeah. Um, I, I think people here are a little bit, to chill about that um and i think that it we suffer when we go other places because of that and then the other thing i said um just not respecting the performance aspect enough yeah i think that's changing a little bit um there's definitely some younger people who have different energy when i got here everyone um and this is not an insult to this person i love this person everyone was ripping off lucas melendez when i got mm-hmm. here okay. do, you, do you know that guy i don't he's know. awesome he lives in la now he's very funny but he's a sit on the stool right. and talk about how depressed he is and he does it great he yeah. does it better than yeah. anybody everyone was ripping him off and that was what every comic sounded like and it, it i think that there was this idea that like if you're broad or if you're like putting on a show that that's like cheating somehow. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's like, yeah. no, it's just everything that you can throw onto the table is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. It's stand up is a performance. It's not written down. So, like, yeah. anybody, I feel like um, the thing that sort of like broke this open for me was uh, seeing Baron Vaughn. Have you seen Baron Vaughn? Mm-hmm. Who's super funny, smart jokes, great writer puts on a fucking he's like a cartoon. show yeah. Yeah. yeah like he's singing he's dancing he's just like he's so big and 
that's not like that's part of this. The, that's not cheating. Yeah. I saw Godfrey and I felt the same way. And honestly, like his bits, he does have good bits. It's like Dane Cook back in the day. I watched the Dane Cook thing recently. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he actually did have bits. I this think, is some bullshit. I think that's bit. why like people, I, I think the allergy to performance started with the Dane Cook backlash. Yeah, and like, like it was too uh, much yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But no, he, Dane Cook had jokes. Yeah. Like he had bits. He's he had annoying, analogies. but like it's. Yes. Yeah. It's not yeah. as bad as people remember but, at w- all. But watching Godfrey, I was like, he's getting so much. I'm sorry, we saw Godfrey. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, we saw, and and I, he got a tremendous amount out of very little in terms of writing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he headlined Cap and he, did, he fucking killed. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, I always am going to be someone who gravitates more toward the writing. And like, that to me is, uh, I think more of my strong suit. I don't, I'm not super into performing. And I realized when I worked on the TV show that I didn't really love being on camera. It was fine, but like that wasn't that fun to me. Like I liked writing the jokes. And so that's like what I gravitate toward. But like, I try to see as many people as I can who are, more into the performance element and try to really view it as like this is just as important as writing. Yeah, I like that idea of trying of seeking out people who have strengths that you don't have as much because I've been thinking about that too like I would I want to move about more I've been thinking about like should I take an improv class or something because I think it would make me freer in my body and it's like because it's something like I can tell when I feel like like if I just get the like I'm standing still yeah like I move just move a little even a big like revelation that i had uh pretty recently was i did this show in oklahoma and like part of the part of the conceit of the show was that it was a drinking game and they if they knew you they would make up things or they would ask people like what are your tics on stage Mm. and the audience would have to drink every time you did one of the tics (laughs) and um It was stressful because you didn't know what they were going to be until like it was your turn. And it's like, oh, man, I do do that. Yeah. And the one that I didn't realize that I do, uh, there were two of them. One was that I hold the mic with two hands. Yes. Oh, I hate it when I do that. And one was that I like uh, fold my arm like this. Interesting. And that's such closed off body language. Like that. And and another thing that part of this revelation was that like when I was 22, I don't even think it's how I look. I think it's more the types of jokes I was writing. I was much more likable to audiences and they were like sort of immediately rooting for me. And now that I think I'm more um, confident, Mm -hmm. I'm more aggressive on stage. Mm -hmm. And that requires a bit of finesse or mm-hmm. audiences are not going to be as like oh like because mm-hmm. that's i really how i was perceived at first there, i think was there's something about that enthusiasm too like when i noticed early on that i people were like you look kind of angry on stage i'm like yeah i'm, I'm just I have a lot of energy and i'm having a good time i'm invested in what i'm saying exactly. i'm like worked up yeah but yeah i can read sort of but i was saying you just was the closed off thing is that something you felt like you got past because i wouldn't say i don't think anybody would accuse you of that now well thank you yeah. i it was more just like that even realizing that I was closing off my body language like yeah. that and if I'm saying something sort of biting and I have my arms crossed yeah. like that's not going to read the same as if I'm open right. and yeah. like and so it's something that I try to um I try to be mindful of now and I, I don't think it was ever like a huge problem or anything but it even just thinking about it physically made my jokes my writing read so much differently and it's that going back to that like you're not just standing there saying something like how you're standing and even if you don't have a huge performance element to what you're doing it really affects how you're perceived it was really interesting because like I barely ever 
think about physically what I'm doing on stage. Right. So yeah, it's like it's like I never think about it, and then every now and then I almost wake up to like, oh shit, I have a body, and I've been yeah. standing here, or what am I doing with my hands right now, or whatever. So do you have any things that you do like purposefully, like? making sure you never put your hand under your arm like what do you um with stuff like that I mean that's something that I think the thing is I try um every time I go on stage I try to have a thing that I'm thinking about or focusing on whether that's I have this new bit I have this new tag or if it's I want to make sure that I never hold the mic with two hands in front of my face mm-hmm. or yeah I want to make sure that I make eye contact or whatever it is yeah. like and sometimes it's like the same thing for a long time and sometimes it's like different every time or whatever and like honestly most of the time it's just I'm working out this new bit or whatever it's not like something super involved but I try to at least have something other than I'm just gonna go up and have a good time which speaking of which that was some of your first advice Ariel that you ever gave me like always have something always have have a reason to be on stage and I think that's good Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, I was gonna say oh you said eye contact that's an interesting thing to me because I've I haven't thought about it much lately, but for a while I kept thinking about and watching like the way that people would either look above the audience or like make eye contact. And it depends sometimes on the situation of the lighting and the kind of crowd and everything. But like sometimes I like making eye contact so much. And then other times you get these audiences where something about the room, like they, even if you're doing well, like it makes people really uncomfortable if you make eye contact. And then, and then if you see them laugh in a way that you think that they're doing for your sake, because they're, you're watching them and then you get self-conscious about, Oh, don't feel sorry for me and laugh if you're not. (laughs) Yeah. And then anyway, I get in this feedback loop. And so I, I was thinking for a while, like is the best thing to do to just like scan like right above their heads like yeah i don't know i i don't normally make eye contact with the audience that much Mm -hmm. i'm kind of an above their head yeah person but i do think like the way around that is um just only only make eye contact when you're doing a punchline yeah (laughs) and not like the setup (laughs) that makes sense um, too in terms of like uh like getting i don't know especially if it's new like kind of intimidated yeah. As early on, I especially, I'm still early on, but like I would do that thing where I would start s- saying it, but I'm asking it more like a question. I'm trying a new bit out, mm-hmm. which, and sometimes it's opinionated. So you're supposed to be like, this is how I feel. Yeah. But this you're delivering it like, this is how I feel. Yeah. Think this is how I feel. Like, That's nah. sh- yeah. I want, I almost just had like this image of myself. I, uh, like on a punchline looking slightly away like I'm, I'm sure that I do that sometimes it's one of those like anti-vulnerability things mm-hmm. of like just in case it doesn't land I don't want it but yeah it's probably a much stronger thing to just make eye contact right in that moment yeah I think it de- I mean it certainly depends on what your um, style is and everything but I think all three of us um, you know and forgive me for putting words in mm-hmm. your mouths or anything but like we're all people who part of our humor is that we are like yeah i'm saying it like you know what (laughs) i mean and so like i think part of that is you get more of an effect if you're willing to kind of i dare you to go there with me yeah i'll look at you yeah and i think i don't know like i have always been someone who has (laughs) been characterized as intense Mm. um i'm just like when i'm passionate about something i speak louder i'm i am very animated i like i get really worked up about things and it can be a lot one-on-one and so i think as i've gotten more self-assured in my comedy i've been able to channel so much of that intensity into my stand-up and that's just like part of it is like 
just really letting that be as intense as I feel it. And it yeah. can be sort of like, the way I used to describe it is like, life is like rubbing your feet on the carpet all day. And then when you get on stage, you get to like touch the metal and like oh, discharge really some of it. And, and, and it seems like to me that. the advantages are way bigger and more obvious than the opposite. There might be time, because I was talking about hosting with somebody and the idea of like, oh, you need to have a lot of energy to host. I was thinking, you need to have a lot of energy, period. Yeah. And there might be times when it's better to pull back. But I, my experience, at least seeing like comedy at this level, way more people need to put intensity and energy into what they're doing than vice versa. Yeah. yeah. There's way more people that like... Oh, and we were talking about who to go after, like who we don't like going after or whatever. I don't even remember if that was on the... When we were still recording. we were recording. talking about earlier, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but like people who have so little energy and then you have to go after them, you're like, oh, look, I have to go out now with twice as much energy <laughs> because you like brought it to such a low point. But then sometimes it's easier because yeah. in contrast to them, you're like, well... I like that because then yeah. I'm like, I'm going to blow the roof off this yeah. place yeah. if I... Because I come out swinging. I think what it is is what it what it comes down to is like not everybody has the same perspective or the same style as me or all of us where like that's sort of the thing. But what you need to do if you're going to go on stage is command a room. Right. Yeah. And like I just saw Tig at the Paramount and Tig is not someone who would be described as high energy. Right. But she commands a room. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. she and it's she's not pausing and doing these sort of quiet reads because she's not putting all of herself into it that's not why she's quiet right those are very intentional everyone is hanging on what she's saying right and you know she's famous and she's performing in a theater where if you're gonna not pay attention you're gonna get asked to leave but i i think she would be like that in most rooms yeah and i I think it probably was a riskier from little stories i've heard like it didn't always work for her coming up but i mean and it took a long time for her to build her audience but like some when it works it works and it's so much more impressive that she could command a room doing what she does than if we just come out and we're like we're gonna talk about tampons now you know (laughs) right yeah and it's not even like we're talking about energy i guess what i'm saying is like we were talking about having more energy that doesn't necessarily mean like be louder or like be more animated right. or f- it, yeah frenetic or something sure, yeah, yeah it just means like be in charge yeah right. be in Absolutely. charge of the room yeah i remember watching like you know when i was in my first year or two like just that's a big thing that i noticed is like who walks in who walks on stage and it just feels different and even if like they haven't even said anything yet or they've barely started but you can just tell they just seem like this is a professional who knows what they're doing and we're all in good hands right now yes and getting to that place is is like this you know really necessary and cool thing to do where all of a sudden you realize like oh shit like i'm just not intimidated anymore and now Mm -hmm. i can just go on there and be myself and that's like i think that's what people read more than i don't even i don't even know like i can put most things into words and maybe i've just never sat down and analyzed it for a lot of it i don't even know what the difference is this is is why you don't have asperger's by the way (laughs) because (laughs) the things that you're picking up on are the are intuitive things and that's true you're seeing oh my god i had an intuition i know exactly you're seeing people on stage and you see the fear but you don't it doesn't register to you it like oh it's that thing or they move their elbow in a certain way you can just feel that they're intimidated being up there yeah mm-hmm. and it's it's so interesting because it's i think what it is and this happened i think this happened to me about a year ago i got to the place where i felt like this where it's like being on stage is more comfortable than being off stage mm-hmm. and audiences can really tell and it's weird like it's very yeah it's ineffable it's it's not something that you can like explain but it's like when you 
and I, I I'm not like this all the time. I don't, not every single one of my sets is going to be like this, but like, especially when I've been getting a lot of stage time and I go up, yeah. I can, it's, om- I, I at least feel like I can make most things work. Yeah. I can make a shitty bit work because I ha- I know right. how to embody it and sell it right. because I know how to be on stage. Right. And it's, it seems to me that when you're on stage, you have this good combination of you do care about what you're saying and how things go, but you don't seem desperate. Right. And those, Thank you. Absolutely. I'm not just here to kiss your ass, but I definitely think that that's That's this, mostly what he's here for. Absolutely. I'm not that's a big part of it. But that those seem to be the extremes to me most of the time where it's mm-hmm. like, if, if a person's so confident, it's like, oh, I don't even fucking need to do this. Mm. Right. That's awful. And people don't want to see that. It's not compelling. Right. Or if you seem like enamored of your own jokes oh, like s- self-assured is such a weird thing <laughs> yeah. it should not be in comedy <laughs> yeah yeah there are those people where you're like i don't want to like you because you're too self-assured yeah but that was funny it's mm. it's fun when people can make that into their persona yeah. and some people can can make it work and do that very well like um i think like matt broussard does that really well about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like one of those where like I, i'll start to not like him and then he'll say another joke where i'm like okay fine That's i a, like you again yeah because he's a he's a great writer yeah. and he he knows how to make that sort of personality endearing and right. he's self-assured enough to be like he's it's interesting because he's a weird guy but he is self-aware enough to know that right. he comes across that way yeah right and like if you're one of those people you have to have that yeah and yeah. even then it's a tricky thing to make work yeah. like that I was, was say, he's got to be in the minority Oh he, yeah, he's on a. He, I feel like he's on a high wire every time he yeah. gets on. He does a show, and he knows it though, and yeah. that's what makes it work. It actually kind of reminds me, and this is going to be a weird analogy of Eat, Pray, Love. Have either of y'all actually read that book? No. Okay, now I mean, <laughs> I get it. I only do one of those things anyway. But yeah, she yeah, had I'm not this, the target market. She. Okay, it, I actually. I mean, I don't know. I read it on an airplane, so maybe that affected it because I get emotional on airplanes. But me too. It's, I, it's you is should that read a it thing? on an airplane. Yeah, it is. There's there I are cry men, at airplane movies. <laughs> I, I don't know. Was this American Life or something? One of those kind of things. But there was a thing about how like there are certain men who only cry on airplanes, but always cry on airplanes. Oh, it doesn't even if they just see a commercial. Wow. For like anything, it doesn't even are have to be a just, sad one. These just men that need therapy, right? That's no, the, they explored a lot. I don't know. It's, okay, okay. There's something okay. about like I. Th- you know what I think it is? It's I, I get the same sen- sense on like trains and stuff. When you're with other people, but you're not really with them, it's like you're kind of with other humans. There's something contagious about like laughter and crying and everything. But then and you can like they they don't they're not necessarily going to see you that you're crying yeah it's that weird um yeah like public transportation thing where it's a very private public space yes yeah, exactly is. i think that's what it is and then yeah, maybe the altitude how did this connect though? anyway I mean, I really, love, it, it was, was just because she would every time i would get annoyed with her in her writing oh. and her privilege and her you're just like oh you fucking rich white bitch with a good job and, you, <laughs> oh, oh, and we'd all love to go to italy and blah 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 every time you would start to hate her there would be the next line would be so self-aware and mm-hmm. funny and charming and like and and like you would relate to her so much and then it was like okay i guess you won me back over and yeah. so i would say just for the record anybody who just has decided that that author that elizabeth gilbert is a piece of shit and whatever <laughs> first of all just watch her ted talk she's a she's a cool lady i want to read we it. do book recommendations yeah. too and that is I, like one of them big magic was all right too i haven't read her divorce one yet but anyway but it's not a bad book and a lot of people have opinions about things that they have never experienced very true and i think it's uh, it's elitist and unfair anyway go on but you'll, you'll 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 like this 
bring it. I'm sure the movie sucks, though. Yeah, we'll bring it back into the notion of advice. We're talking something about like self uh, about persona or self awareness on stage. Then you've come to that. Do you think that's the kind of thing that? people just ought to focus more on or just time doing it is the kind of thing that you get more of that i I think i think it's not something that you can really go about consciously working on i think it's i think like you were saying like we all sort of agree you have to be you have to have something that you're being mindful of when you're on stage you have to have a reason to be there Mm -hmm. but that that has to be small things it can't be like Big. I'm gonna work on I'm, my persona. I'm gonna be confident today. I'm gonna connect right. with the audience in meaningful yeah, ways. Yeah, I think that that just is. It comes from an accumulation of doing yeah. it. And like I said, I think the thing that sort of like broke this open for me was like around August September of last year, like 2015. I for some reason I had I booked headlining sets at like everything you could headline in town in like a month for some reason it was just like they all asked me Mm -hmm. and so i had i had a weekend at the velve i had sure thing i had feature work at cap i just a bunch of things that were like Mm -hmm. long sets yeah and by the end of it it was just all that time on stage my last show of this run was a late show at the velve and i didn't i did like three jokes like i just was talking to this bachelor party in the audience and it was going so well and like that's not something I could get up and do tonight. That's something that I could do because I had been on stage yeah. for four hours in the last like week. I and mean, the level you were doing it at too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And that's one of those things where like so much of comedy advice comes down to get on stage, get on stage, get on stage. But it's true. Like get on stage as much as you can, but also in, in as many different circumstances as yeah. possible. Um, because I mean, it's not like I was headlining, you know, like big comedy clubs. But when I, I went on this tour recently with my fiance and so I was um, doing lots of different stages chime and a lot of headlining stuff you know 20 30 45 minutes and mm-hmm. and doing that and with all these different crowds with all like just it makes you so much this, better yeah and it, that changed me in a way that i you know, purposely set out to be changed but that was like you you get this confidence of like oh my god i can go into any situation and it's gonna be cool yeah and 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 then and when you're traveling too people will see you as a working comic who like you know and then they have this respect for you and when you, a, there's a, percep- a certain yeah, perception that and, and when you and when you're seen that way and then you feel that from people and then you respond to it and you, you rise to meet their you rise, expectations you rise to meet yeah. it exactly and rising to meet that was something that was like enormously valuable to me that's in, awesome in touring I, I think there's something interesting about advice and comedy where the pe- when you give it to people and I don't but I'm saying the people that give it <laughs> he uh, can't wait to give it <laughs> I can't I'm very no. it's but fun when it, you asked me to do this I was like oh I love yeah. right? to condescend to people you're, so excited <laughs> we're all narcissists in a good way. <laughs> <We> all, <yeah. laughs> but, but when you do it it's sort of like you're doing it for people that have the potential to do it because when you said this because you hear that all the time like just go on stage and the, in parentheses it's almost like if you're smart and funny enough yeah. to get anything out of that I have several yeah. qualifications to that advice yeah. number mm-hmm. one absolutely there are people who are cut out for this and there are people who they could go on stage every day of their life sure. and they're not going to put it together and they are yeah. right now yeah and they are yeah. and there are a lot of them yeah. and god bless i i hope that you enjoy this as a hobby yeah. you it's fine like not everyone needs to take this as seriously as we do but like yeah there are a lot of people that are, are not funny and yeah. will never be funny I lo- nature distributes her gifts unevenly exactly I'm always like yeah <laughs> And, um, and like, you know, there are some people who put it together eight years in, but it's so rare. And if you're, if you're going on 
two, three years and you're still not getting laughs. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you're not supposed to bomb that hard. Yeah, for that long for that long. Yeah. So like and let, maybe with a possible exception of if you if you're 17 and you just don't know sure. anything yet to say. Sure. And there there are plenty of people who have proved that wrong. But yeah. it's like the if you're getting into the multiple year territory, you're statistical likelihood of putting it together gets right. smaller and smaller and right. smaller. Um, so that's like one qualification of that advice that like you you can't just osmosis your way into being talented. Right. Yeah. Um, but number two, also go on stage as much as you can. But I think after a certain point, you reach a point of diminishing returns with stage time mm-hmm. and where when you start all stage time is good stage time. Yeah. I think for the first, again, two, three years, Anytime you can get on stage, you should. I think after that point, though, you maybe don't need to be going to like the shittiest bottom of the barrel dive bar open mics to do two minutes. Like, there's probably better ways you can spend your time, uh, even if that's just like writing or like do it, like really having an experience that you could then turn into a bit. I had that realization recently about the writing aspect, which again, this is, I'll just take it as like this is a thought I had, which Mm -hmm. is that if I, because I'm going out every night. Because I just think that's what you should you want sure. to do. But I was like, really, if I was to not go out one night and dedicate the same amount of time to writing, mm-hmm. how could that be bad? It seems yeah, like that especially would be depending a- on the. And you think about yeah, when you're talking about mics particularly or really bad shows. Like if you have learned that a mic is that bad, I think there are mics that can can be worse for you because you'll lose confidence in jokes that sure that would, so or you'll yeah, pick up bad habits. You pick up bad habits. Yeah, these the like these kind of comics talking to other comics habits. And so yeah, I think. It doesn't take that long before you can start thinking about like that mic is not useful to me and yeah sure. it would be better to spend your time writing. Right and it like it doesn't mean that it's like fuck that mic it's just yeah. like this isn't necessarily useful to me. To me. Right. I I what I've seen in a lot of in my life and in a lot of my friends lives who've been doing comedy around the same amount of time as me is like it's so exciting when you start and it, yeah. I mean it's still exciting I still love it more than anything in the entire right. world but like it's so exciting when you start you you do it all the time everyone tells you to do it all the time you see yourself getting better it's really exciting and then you get to a point a couple years in where you're like all I do is open mics and shows I have nothing to talk about hmm. yeah. I don't like I, I I only talk about myself because I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'm just being a person and then talking about being a person. Yeah. And I, I think that like after a certain point, it's like, it's probably better to like make sure you're also living a life that you right. can talk about. And like, I don't know. I, I, it's definitely like, it's never bad to go to open. It's never like yeah. bad <laughs> to like yeah, get yeah. on stage, but there's, I think a sort of cost benefit analysis yeah, sometimes. And like, don't like, don't skip a date to go to an open mic. Like don't just like <laughs> yeah. go home and call your, call your mom. Like <laughs> yeah. you need to like do those things in order to relate eat, to other you human to beings. Eat and be healthy. Uh, self-care. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. All right. You can't be out drinking every night. All right, we should probably do at least a couple more questions. Yeah, sorry. Did you, you no, want to no, ask good. the... Do you think what you want to ask... Oh, uh, yeah, I do want to ask that because I feel like there are certain people... I should have asked Pat this, too. There are people that I see more as 
at the center of and integral to Austin comedy. I see you as one of those people. Oh, wow. Thank you. And I'm curious, is there anything that you, if you had a magic wand, you could just change Austin comedy, whether hmm. it's uh, more diversity or more like uh, more shows or less shows or more of this <laughs> one, anything like what, how would you repaint the picture? Wow. That's an interesting question. I think we are very blessed here to have a lot of stage time and a lot of good stage time. Mm -hmm. I like, I really, I've been to many other cities. I think Austin has one of the best, Mm -hmm. if not the best second market, second tier market. Like non LA, non Yeah. Yeah. Not New York York and LA, but in terms of developing uh, as a comedian, I don't know who, who would be stronger than us. Like I was talking to, if you use it that way. I was talking to Mac Blake about this. I remember a while ago and he, it's one of those things where like we haven't had people really break out the way that a lot of other scenes have had, but we roll so deep with good people. Yeah. Like a lot of other scenes have like maybe ten or fifteen people who can do a strong twenty, whereas yeah. we have like fifty people right. who can yeah. do a strong twenty. Yeah. Like there's so many good people here and it's amazing. I think some things that we're lacking, um, that would make us that but other comedy scenes have that I think are good. Um, we do not have an urban club. We don't have a strong mm. tradition of urban comedy. Yeah. Oh my God, I would kill for an urban it would, club. I, I think it would make everybody better. And yeah. I think that like we, this comedy scene is way too fucking white. Yeah. And we have a lot of diversity in a lot of other ways. It's awesome that there are so many women doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, that was really not true. And it's been amazing to have that. But like, it's still a bunch of fucking white people in their 20s and it would be awesome to get more age diversity more race diversity um i I, austin demographically couldn't support an urban club it would make no sense to have one here but i think that that would be a way that our comedy scene could get richer um because it would just be different kinds of audiences and that's better for people's experience and different there'd be more opportunities for people and different circuits for people and different sort of outlets than okay, well, there's Cap City where you have to entertain um, like white middle-aged people from Round Rock and then there's the Velveeta Room where you entertain uh, like drunk white people who are visiting from out of town. Yeah. And those are the two places that you can make money. If there was a place where you could entertain someone not of those demographics, yeah. that would be great. Yeah, of course. Um, and like, granted, if there was an urban club, I don't I'm, I don't know that I would work there, but I think that like a lot of people would and it would be good for Yeah, everybody. you might be surprised. I did comedy in Atlanta for like four times for primarily black audiences and I didn't know what to expect because I don't have, there's not an ounce of me that people would describe as urban. Sure. I feel like sex jokes just work. Sure. I feel like certain uh like there's just certain principles that work i didn't address it but i didn't yeah. like change anything i was doing and i got good responses yeah yeah I mean, yeah i mean that's the other like i've always been really surprised when you a, a weird talent you get when you do comedy for a long time and i i you guys have probably re- realized this in yourselves too is like you just get really good at forming like being able to analyze groups of people like you'll be sitting there watching a crowd sort of do what crowds do before shows just kind of sit there and you'll be able to deduce a lot of information from that and it's a weird power yeah Mm -hmm. um but at the same time i'm often like i've done shows where it's like oh fuck everyone here is like 60 Mm. (laughs) shit (laughs) but then they're awesome yeah like it's there's always you're all there's always room to be surprised even when you're like good at, at doing that um so yeah we're we're very white I, I that's a bummer um i also i wish that people 
who were newer who wanted to get stage time would start mics instead of shows no shit Mm. (laughs) completely agree i actually have a plan that i don't know if i'm gonna have time to pursue but where i was talking to mike good and a few other people i was like here's what we do because it's not that they don't want to do mics it's that they don't want to like set it up and it's difficult yeah i was like why don't we set some mics up and then just have them host it they yeah. would, they would do the host. If you have rotating hosts like the Valve does. Absolutely. That's such a great idea because I that's a, another piece of advice I would give to like new people, newer than you guys. I yeah. think like 6 months to 2 years in really. Sure. Uh you should run an open mic. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. I ran Cherrywood for uh like 2 years and then I ran one at the New Movement for another year and it made me so much better. Absolutely. It, just and it, and it also like it helps you connect with your community yeah. and like you go to these places and you spend two dollars on a fucking Lone Star, and they are gracious enough to allow you to speak into a microphone. Yeah, do something to sort of give back to this community. Absolutely. Like in a way, it's a more kind of realistic uh, experience in comedy. In that, like when you're just starting out and you're doing open mics, you're doing shows. You're like, I have my little jokes and my little set. I'm going to go out, and you're really not. You're not thinking about the kind of infrastructure of comedy yeah. in a way where it's like, okay, it needs to be set up, and here's how it can be wrong, and I have to talk to the bar people, and I need to make yeah. sure that I say have all these announcements. Yeah. I know it's little things, but it really does go back into like thinking of comedy and not just like do people like the thing that I wrote and say. Right. Yeah, there's more things that if you want to be part of a community, you should be mindful of, and I, I think like going back to that with sh- if you're running an open mic you will learn through experience how a, a show should be set up. Mm-hmm. But if it's set up wrong, it's fine because it's an open yeah, mic. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If you set up a show that's bad and people come to it and they, they think this is what Austin comedy is. Yeah. This right. is what comedy is like in Austin and it sucks. Right. And those people will not come back to anybody's show. Yeah. Right. And that's a huge bummer. Right. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think people realize how hard it is to run shows. Right. It sucks. Absolutely. Like, it's hard. You have to constantly be marketing and like, it's just, and you have to have the fucking like, architecture of the room you have yeah. to deal with and the lighting Absolutely. and like, unless you're doing it at a theater, there's all these things and it's, it's just really hard and you shouldn't do it unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not like willing to sort of take really big ownership of it, like I ran a show with Mac and Joe at Tribe at a Brew and Brew for a long time, or not a long time. We ran it for like, probably like six months, and we were all like, it was going fine, but it was like I had a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like it was fun, but it was like none of us are really able to put in the effort that this needs, right. and so sure. we just decided to stop doing it because it was like it's not worth half-assing right yeah you have to go in go, go all in for it yeah with an open yeah. mic you can half-ass it it's, it's fine all, <laughs> the, the other thing about a show is that I think that people don't understand is that if you still have to be funny to get on other stuff yeah. That's what people are doing. They think, okay. It's a shortcut. Well, it's very frustrating when you are booking people to, if, if that's the calculus, like, I'm going to have this show so that people will put me on. It's like, great. Now we have to begrudgingly be like, oh, fine, I'll slip you onto this show so that I can do your show. That's not a good reason to, like, get booked. You won't be well, you won't be yeah, well, well thought of. Yeah, you'll be, yeah, you'll be resented. And it, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And just generally, I think that it, it, it's people misunderstanding the difference between a necessary and sufficient condition. It might be good to have a little extra added thing to offer and to be thought of but ultimately nobody wants to fuck their own show up by putting a bad 10 minute 
important in it. And I, yeah. I like I, I feel like I'm lucky because I think before this explosion of of showcase shows mm-hmm. in Austin. Like when that happened, I was already at a point that I didn't need to like really be involved in that transactional stuff. Like yeah, I'm, I'm lucky in that people I have credits and people will ask me to do things. Yeah. So I didn't have to like worry about that. But I've, I don't know. I just feel like I hold someone who runs an open mic in such higher regard than someone who runs a shitty show. Yeah. Because like I just I, first of all, I get to know people who are doing open mics better because I see them all the time. Yeah. And like. I understand how shitty it is to run an open mic and I <laughs> like regard them well. Whereas like if I'm doing someone's show, I'm there one time and like yeah. maybe I come back and watch another time, but it's like you don't develop that relationship with someone. You also don't see them go up. Right. So like, how do you, if you have a show, how are you booking them based on the one time they emceed as opposed to this guy does a great job hosting this mic or whatever. Yeah, like, and, and I hate to say, it, I mean, I don't think this is totally true, but it's sort of like something you sort of mentioned, which is that like, in, if somebody does a show, there's a good chance they're kind of doing it for them, among other things. If you're, if you're hosting a mic, you're probably not doing it because you're trying to get ahead in that moment. Right. Like you're doing you're it because the long you're putting game. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're, I mean, because you love Austin comedy and you, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is like, uh, nothing will make you a better host than hosting an open mic. Yeah. yeah. As far as that, like having to sustain that level of MC energy, yeah. like y- if you you're, run an open the, mic. One thing I will say that, w- cause I started show super early, very mm-hmm. naively, but I put a lot of work into it. I did sure. not fuck mm-hmm. around and I think it's turned out pretty well for like my level or whatever. Um, but I host an open mic too. But anyway, uh, is that you get access to a bigger crowd than you would, and it could take years. And there were actually like, I feel like sometimes a steady, or what do you call, or sorry, a, like a quick dose of confidence can be can go a long way. I've been saying there, I, because I host tramps, mm-hmm. I see comics that are way better than they think they are, and and mm-hmm. they'll be better, but they've never performed before more than like seven people. Yeah, and that's so interesting. Th- so the, all of their jokes tank yeah because one they're used to not telling them and them tanking but i'm like oh no that's a that's a bit i mean it may not be the best thing but it's like if they were on a show that would have got right if you if under better conditions this would work and like it does i think it does take that confidence to make things work at open mic sometimes like it's interesting like sometimes i'll go back to something that didn't work like a year ago and it'll just work because i'm a better comic yeah and like you just when you're better everything gets better yeah Yeah. um yeah and like i don't know i just remember also the nice thing about being running an open mic is you get the power to give those people that confidence and like i remember when i started like and i had done like six weeks of open mics and ate, ate shit at every single one and then i finally had a joke that worked and a bunch of people were like hey like that's you did it like you're putting it together like just kind of that sort of it was so encouraging to have people be like you're on the right track like keep it up like i i was still just not good at all but like just having people who run open mics be like hey that was great or like i love that bit or whatever you know i love open mics on that note i think that (laughs) this must be a kind of intimidating scene for some people, because there's mm. a bunch of cause a bunch of people don't get on shows. Like there's a, a whole sea now of like open mic comics that never get on shows, and they also don't do Velve or Cap C. They open yeah. mic. And I'm like, what are mm. you? Why aren't you doing this? This is, and it's because they're intimidated. Well, I think it's fair to try to be a little bit better before before you start doing That's those true. mics. That's what because, I did. But, yeah. but after a while, like yeah, once after you're being ready, here like a year or so, them. I think I waited about. I did only coffee shop mics until. 
I had, I was pretty strategic about it. I did only coffee shop mics until I thought I had a pretty solid, oh, open mic solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I would not consider that yeah. solid, but like, <laughs> until I had a pretty solid like five. Yeah. And then I went to the Velvet Cab City and I got noticed a lot quicker right. yeah. than I would have otherwise. But. That is a similar strategy. And I don't fuck around there to this day. Yeah. I don't go to Velvet and mess around. I'll do newer stuff, but I'm I don't like You're not trying brand new stuff there. Uh, no, I don't yeah. fuck around. I, I want him to know that it also just I take it seriously. Even if I'm yeah. doing newer stuff, I don't I you're fo- think about it beforehand, I do my best with it. Yeah. yeah. You're not like I'm just gonna have fun with this yeah, one. N- that's not no. yeah, that's understandable. I yeah, I um shit, I was gonna say something else and now I can't remember what it was. Um oh, the other thing is I, I think now the scene is so big and it, it this kind of bums me out and I don't know if there's like that much of a way around it. The scene is so big that there are people who are very, very funny and very, very talented who only do shows. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a shame. I think everyone should do open mics, but I also... It, like that's fine that you know if you're booked on enough shows and you're good enough that you can do new stuff at shows, God bless yeah. you. Like that's awesome. But like... A lot of times, those really talented people don't see the promising new open yeah. micers because oh, they don't go to open mics. Yeah, it's a shame, and it's it's a bummer, and it's especially a bummer when those people are trying to book shows, right? And they have no idea what's going on in the scene. Yeah, and like um, I will say, Chris Cubis is really good about this. Mm-hmm. He because he is someone who like he doesn't need to go to open mics because he works enough and yeah. he can do new stuff on stage. Right. He doesn't have to. He right. he performs plenty and and can work things out when people for paying audiences and everyone enjoys it. Right, which not everybody can do. <laughs> but he and he runs a show and he is always asking everyone. Right. He's always saying who's funny and new. Who's like yeah, like and he's really good about like who are the funny women. Like I want to make yeah. like he's good yeah, about yeah. that. But like if you're not actively doing that there are probably a lot of people in the scene who are really good who you've never seen yeah. and yeah. it's a bummer but, one, the, but also those people should come to cap and valve so they get seen right. yes they <laughs> that's should. the other thing is like is I, i'll still meet people and i go to open mics you know i very purposely am like i'm i i hate to like go a week or two without going to any open mics and i, I like i love it i watch people too like you know i don't just like go and be like oh, i'm gonna go smoke in the back like i want to watch people i mm-hmm. want to see who's new but there are some that i never go to because because they're just so far away and I really right. hate driving. You can't go to every open right. mic. And I'm like, well, if someone tells me they only do tramps, I'm like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. You can't only do tramps. Oh, right. I've, I've seen I'm that. never going to fuck. Tramps is one of the ones where there's like a whole crew of people that only yeah. do it. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, I don't know who any of those fucking people are. Yeah. Some of them are probably good. Like, it's, right. But it's every open mic I have noticed has it's a regulars. bunch of people that are, and there's and they're bad. I hate yeah. to say it, but like, <laughs> it's the people, the, if you well, only you won't go get to, better if you, you can't only, only go to Tramps. So it's just like the people who used to only ever go to Skylark. Like, no, no, but I'm Skylark saying, Skylark was great in a lot of ways. It's but every open mic is what I'm saying. Every there, open there mic has, has three or four people that I never see at any other open mic. That's I'm at a point now where I go to his, I don't go, I, I had a point where I was like, I'm going to do every fucking open mic I can do. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore, but I try to go regularly. If I'm not on a show, I go to a mic. That's yeah. just how I do it. And yeah, I see. Well, well, and like, I, I also think doing that many shows is like time traveling. Like when you said you've only been doing it a year and a half, I was surprised because you seem like you've been doing it longer. Oh, I really and it's because it. hard. it's because I, you've done three years worth of shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I it really. I, and that's like when I started that's how I felt was like I want to get being shitty out of the way fast <laughs> so like yeah, I just want to do as many shows as I can because like I want this to be over but, <laughs> I want but, this terribleness to be over but what I honestly think is that there's people Oops. put the 
like my, what I did more than work hard at everything else, putting on shows, hosting open mics, all that kind of stuff. I was like, I funny first, just be yeah. funny. You're not going to be. And I know way too many people who get worried about all the peripheral mm. social stuff. And it's, yeah. and I think it at the end of the day, the worrying about that is why they it just it holds them back. Yeah, I and like I definitely feel like I went through a period of that um, when I was. I, I think it's it's part of a, a social cycle like now i've been doing this long enough that i have my friends mm-hmm. and um i'm i love meeting funny new people but like i'm almost 30 and i've been living here six years like i have my friends yeah i like <laughs> yeah i i have people that i see during the day <laughs> like there's like you know like the thing of comedy where you see everyone so much and there are people who you've known for years that you have only seen after eight o'clock at night yeah. and it's yeah. like really weird but like you just you 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 meet enough people and you find your sort of people and then you don't worry about that stuff as much anymore because you're like well i'm not i i don't care about like my social standing in this group i want everyone to like me and i like everyone and like you know i want to be on good terms and everything but i'm not so worried about the politics yeah because i feel pretty secure in like my my who my buddies are and like i think that's just human nature like if you are new to a group of people that all hang out all the time like you're gonna be stressed out about that early on especially because it's like you are i I, again i don't want to talk shit about anybody that's not doing well in in anything really but it's i know (laughs) that's uh, anyway uh but it's you also are confronted with a sea of people that are just probably never going to be recognized yeah and so it's like it's like tartarus the way you just see the shades of, and you don't it's like you're you're right on the edge of that when you first start out you're like oh i don't want to be that where they yeah. just mm. they can't write a joke to save their life and they're never getting on a show so i think that that's what makes people kind of insecure early on yeah as you know yeah it, it's interesting because i i feel like um it was certainly stressful when I started for these same reasons, but the scene was so much smaller. Right. Yeah. And in some ways that was like stressful because there weren't, there weren't like a ton of people who were at my level just because there weren't a ton of people at any level because yeah. there weren't a ton of people. Um, and there, and there was still like, there were a lot of people who'd sort of known each other for a really long time, but it, it I don't think it felt like as overwhelming of like, yeah. how am I ever going to like stand out among these people because there just weren't as many yeah. so it's interesting to like but I, honestly now I just I don't worry about that not because I'm so great but like I the scene everybody says is getting way bigger and I don't mean this in a bad way because because fish get bigger but like it's a lot of it's a bunch more little fish yeah 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 you know and it's not and and again I mean I don't mean that means there's there's not a lot of good people too but I sure. just feel like the the competition doesn't exist that way I've never felt like oh mm-hmm. if if even if I get great nobody's gonna see me. It yeah. still feels very meritocratic where it's like right. if I get the better I get every time I write a new joke somebody recognizes it or sees yeah. it or something and like that. Even like going because I've been I went to LA for a week and did a bunch of shows there and I've been to New York uh, multiple times and done shows there. That's honestly how they feel too. It's yeah. there's just more people. It's not that everybody's better. Like yeah. it's still you have like 80% of people who are mediocre to bad yeah. 20% of people who are talented and in that it's sort of tiered and it's yeah. just there's more people at every percentile that's yeah. all that makes sense like that. that's it it's not that scary I mean it's definitely harder to get noticed in the sense of like the people who can pay you right because yeah. there's only a finite amount of those spots but like it's yeah it's I, I, I yeah it's not like everybody is 
amazing and you have to like yeah, be totally. amazing to get people to pay attention to you that's not the way it is at all all right so we're coming up on time i don't know how it is for jared but i want to get like a couple of questions in um quickly next steps for you i know you said you're moving to new york in april right somewhere between march and june i haven't decided okay. yet um so other than that is there anything or, or kind of immediate plans when you get to new york in terms of writing jobs um no i don't have anything like on the horizon i think the the th- main first thing I want to do is get an agent or a manager. Mm -hmm. Um, That is very helpful because when you do that, then people will actually see your writing packets. It's a lot easier to get your writing packet read by somebody if if you have an agent or a manager. And the way that you get an agent or a manager for the type of work I'm looking for is you submit writing packets to them. And the way that that works is pretty much you when you have something to submit, you contact all of your friends with agents and managers and you say, can you recommend me (laughs) and hope for the best? And hopefully one of them will say, sure. And then you say, because they don't take things unsolicited. But if you say, hi, my friend X, who you represent, uh, gave me your name and here's this. And so then like, because they, you basically have to um, make it as easy for them as possible. You, You have to like, have them do as little work as they can to like find you and to read your stuff um my friend sarah june who lives in la you guys know her she's like counseled me through this whole like process because she's very on the ball with that kind of stuff so that's sort of my plan but um i i'm i'm i was thinking about going to la first and i think if i went to la i would probably be able to get some kind of showbiz job. I don't know if it would be writing. It's hard. Those are hard to get. But I, I think I would be able to like PA, script supervise, that kind of stuff because I worked on the TV show here for a year. So I yeah. have those skills. New York, those jobs are a lot harder to come by. And so I'm willing and ready to work a day job again for a year. Yeah. And like, I'm probably, the plan for me in New York is to go for a year and then go to LA just to have just to get good. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, I'm going to try for all that stuff. Are you excited? Cool. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. I, lo- <laughs> I love New York. Like, it's, uh, yeah. it's, so, it's so fun. I'm excited for life reasons. I'm excited for comedy reasons. The comics there are fucking killers writing-wise like if you want to get be- if you want your jokes to be better mm-hmm. go to fucking New I can't, York. I've, like, I've noticed a difference from the people that have come here there have been bad ones that have come yeah. here like oh, sure. every city but definitely like yeah if talk about fucking being concise right. like you have yeah. to make people laugh right away <laughs> like yeah, yeah. cutthroat yeah way. all right so i'm gonna give you a choice about the, the the second to last question okay would you rather talk about uh how atx uncensored this happened or would you have been like a some advice that you would like to give um hmm i think or you could do both i don't know <laughs> uh i let me how about this i will t- talk about what i learned on atx uncensored because awesome. i feel like how it happened is kind of boring like i auditioned and then oh. like oh, well, see i didn't way, even know yeah. i got it i just okay. i do gotta go all right but absolutely sorry bye jared but absolutely bye, <laughs> such a nerd about getting to things on time no but i'm, fr- I'm going at first so. where are you going uh it's jared walls show oh have fun yeah i hope it's good have bye, your jared. time yeah, absolutely um well you don't get to hear what i learned <laughs> You'll have to listen to it on your podcast. Hell He's yeah. going to be there 18 minutes early, and it's oh, going to start 10 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I don't think I've ever been that early for a show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right, so yeah, and you auditioned, but so real quick because I just didn't. I mean, yeah, you know, oh I no, have... I can definitely talk about it. It's it's just like I don't think it's a super exciting story. Like I auditioned for the host job. Brian got the host job. How did you know about it? Who's who did it? I I sorry, I am embar- I know embarrassingly little about. Oh, it's like... fine. Um, the executive producer uh, scouted scouted us. She she and she did an amazing job. Like she mm-hmm. did so much work because she when I started on that show, she was familiar with like everybody who you would want someone who was casting that to be familiar with like she had looked at everybody with tape she went to all the local shows for moon tower like she did her homework gotcha so a bunch of people auditioned i don't know like i don't want to blow up anybody's spot but like there were probably six to eight people who auditioned for that host host job um brian ended up getting it and then i like I, I'm, I was good pals with Brian before the show, so I sort of kept in touch with him, talking about the whole process. And he told me they were looking for these correspondent roles. I didn't think I was actually qualified because I didn't have any production experience. So I actually ended up recommending a bunch of other people to him. But uh, they brought me in for an audition, and uh, I got that. And it's interesting um, going through that process because I, I think that sometimes people take everything really personally with that. Um, kind of thing but it's like it's not about how good you are in isolation it's about the combination of personalities and so like I was not right for the host job Mm because they wanted Brian and then if they have Brian then the next person they picked was this guy Joe Joe Barlow and if you have Joe Barlow he's sort of quiet and dry and silly so you Mm -hmm. can't have another quiet person like just that kind of like balancing act Um, yeah it's like they're not if, if you don't get something like that it's like there it's just because you're not the person who got it you're you yeah that's why it's right. just because you're you it's not like you weren't funny enough i mean granted sometimes you're not funny enough right. but like you know they didn't want a cath for the host job they wanted a brian right. so like yeah so yeah i got that um i was there for about a year we were on the air for about nine months and um it was very i learned so much oftentimes it was a very difficult learning process uh and yeah i think uh working in a small team like that if you come from stand-up where you're doing everything alone it's a Mm. big change yeah and um it's it's such valuable experience like yeah (laughs) chair's back So yeah, that's how I got that. Um, and they taught me how to shoot and edit and do all this, all kinds of stuff. And like uh. that uh, is so helpful to know how to do. I haven't like done a lot of it because I don't have any equipment sure. <laughs> since I since the show got canceled. But like, I'm really glad I know how. Right. One day when you're making your own TV show, like Louie, you have um, exactly two, exactly two fifty fifths of the skills that you need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, yeah. So, and then did you want to, did you have any other like random advice that you want to give? Cause you said you had strong opinions. Yeah. Um, and I love strong opinions. Yeah. I feel like we covered a lot of the strong opinions about like, damn petty, like I wish people in Austin did this instead of that. But I love the petty stuff. <laughs> it's fun. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just if like Jared was saying, just try to be funny and like focus on your own shit and if you find yourself getting too bogged down in like the politics of your scene or whatever just go just sit sit and write and don't go out because you're gonna just waste your time yeah um that like so number one be funny number two be gracious like Mm. be be nice to people Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know i just 
it, it's weird because like I don't think I'm uh, I definitely don't come across as like a particularly warm or friendly person I know like I know I can be oh, kind let's of talk about that yeah can we talk about oh, that I'd love to talk because, about that okay so I mean I think uh, I'm just gonna call it the Ella Gale problem yes <laughs> because like especially <laughs> the when, Ella Gale memorial problem we yeah. love you Ella Gale <laughs> we, uh, we love you and and that's just the thing like the, because especially like me you know I, I moved here about a year into doing comedy and so I had this kind of like you know figuring who everybody was in a way where I wasn't completely starting comedy you know mm-hmm. and so you have this thing where like everybody that you meet it's like 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 it's, I call it the Ella Gale thing because she has such a level of awkwardness that it takes so long to be like oh it's not me yeah like, because, but it's because I'm so awkward that then like it that's why it takes so long because so many of us are so awkward that we don't know if the other person is snubbing us yeah. or if it's just that like they don't know that you want to say hi and it's it's very frustrating to me particularly because like you're talking about Ella you're talking about you you're talking about me this is all women well yeah and that's like a whole other thing but I have no but I do have that with a lot of guys too I mean I, I you know I don't know what you're there are a lot of weirdos is. of all genders in comedy yeah and it's not just weirdo <laughs> like it's it, to me like okay it, there's a complete you know correlation with anybody who's above me in any way like whether that's just they've been doing it a lot longer and more entrenched in the scene or they have way better credits or they've you know they're just way better than I am or whatever like anybody who or not even way better anyone who's even like one level better it's just it's just so much harder someone who's new to the scene i can be as gracious as possible you know what Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they're not funny or if they're whatever like i love being kind to people who are Mm -hmm. i don't want to say below me that's awful but like you know what i mean yeah we're new we're green yeah we're green and so it's like you know but then with anyone who is a little bit above i'm awkward and then Mm -hmm. they're gonna like potentially be awkward because they don't you know what i mean and that's interesting i haven't personally i haven't like perceived that from you um but i also know that like i can sometimes come across that way Mm -hmm. so maybe i like don't yeah i mean i'll just to be honest like i've always felt like uh like a standoffishness from you but i've also not known like so that so the other day uh after stone drunk sober now i was a little bit stone and drunk too (laughs) at that show i was so high which i wasn't on by the way i was uh i was just for fun and yeah and you were high and so yeah and of course i'm gonna be extra weird from high yeah and that's the other thing like who knows in any comedy show whether it's themed or not what Yeah. yeah and and, and and how much sleep we've had and how much and the, just the like cocaine feeling of having just done comedy anyway sure um so but like you did it such a, i mean i just i i mean i love your jokes i you know i thank you i you know i love your comedy and and so when you got off stage like i wanted to say like hey great job but it's so much harder for me to say great set to you and i used to be you know more worked up about it than i am now but it's it was just harder for me to say great job to someone who i really respect which sucks because I would prefer to say great job to you than have to say it to someone who I only half mean it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I, it's interesting because like, I, I, I honestly feel this pressure more now that I'm someone who is a veteran of the scene than I did when I was newer where, cause now, cause I remember, like, I remember being newer and there'd be people who were sort of like entrenched and they just seemed so comfortable everywhere because Mm -hmm. they like knew their friends were always there and like they performed so they just you know people just have that ease that I did not have at that time when I'd like walk into a show or something and if those people did anything that I could have 
could have been interpreted as a slight yeah. i would always ascribe some intention to it yeah whereas like now that i sort of feel like i'm in that position a little bit for people i get very stressed out about it right. because i know that like i am not naturally super um like outgoingly friendly yeah i'm not like super open like i'm just i'm loud and i talk a lot and i can kind of like just sort of steamroll people sometimes mm-hmm. and like i i just i don't want to ever be interpreted as being like cruel or being unfriendly or whatever because like i really i love this scene so much and this scene has given me so much love that like yeah. i just want to be cool but like but I also know that, like I said, I have my friends and usually if I'm somewhere, yeah. I'm talking to my friends and I'm not going to like go out of my way to be yeah. like, hello, stranger, what's your deal? Yeah. But yeah, but I, I think that um, no one is ever going to like, I think a, I think good set is like the best entryway to talking to someone if you're like stressed out about talking to someone. Yeah. I, I my thing that I always do if if like I just see someone who's who I like who I don't know is just say good set and then say specifically a joke that you like yeah that always like because I love when people do that to me good set is great but like if they're like I really liked that joke or like you have some kind of connection to that like that's such an easy entry point I feel like it's harder if they if they haven't gone up yet or something and you're trying to talk to them totally Um, and you don't know what kind of state their mind's in yeah yeah. but then sometimes (laughs) it's like uh, now you're in the middle of an audience and you're like oh can I because I've tried to do that hey great set I really like that joke (laughs) and then you're like what and you're like well fucking I don't know now I feel awkward about the whole thing (laughs) well anyway so that's interesting so do you don't think of yourself as someone who has is like more on that elegale spectrum of uh, I, I don't think so I don't think that that's my problem i don't like get in my head i think it's more that um sorry ella by the way (laughs) (laughs) she knows but you know yeah yeah like and that's like the one of the things i love about ella is Mm -hmm. that she just owns that so much she's just like she's so it's so interesting because she's so comfortable in her uncomfortableness yeah and it's great like it's it's and that's what makes her perspective so interesting and so funny um but yeah i think my problem is is probably more that intensity that i was talking about i've always had a problem with um not knowing the power of my words and being Mm. a little bit too blunt and i think that that has served me very well in a lot of the roast things that i've done but has not served me well socially and i i can just um yeah i can do that i can i'm also just kind of a self-absorbed asshole and like i'm not good at remembering people's names and like things like that i think we have all these things in common (laughs) i think many stand-ups yeah i try really hard but then it's like oh man the harder you try and then the more i don't know i i don't know i think it's like it's interesting because i think i'm good one-on-one i think that like if somebody is willing to like kind of pull me aside and want to talk to me i'm usually pretty good and i if if it's someone who i think is smart and funny i I always like that a lot but like yeah in a group or something if someone is feeling shy i'm not good at making them feel comfortable yeah i guess is what it is no i agree i'm the same i one-on-one is like the only real way i want to talk to people unless it's a group of people where i'm comfortable with every single one right but if if i'm like either feeling intimidated or i feel like that person's then eh, i gotta like hey this guy no one's talking to this guy and i do notice that like when someone's not but then it makes me be like distracted from the conversation Mm -hmm. because i feel (laughs) so bad for that person and i want to figure it out because i've been there so much and anyway okay so cool well that's fun i just like i think it's fascinating i'm gonna start asking people about this because the social part of 
it's like I think earlier we were saying something about how you know a lot of people think so much about the social stuff and not at all about comedy like and not enough about being funny and I'm like yeah yeah I mean I'm always going to be working so hard on being funny and the writing and the performing <laughs> sure. but like I've always also really thought about the social stuff because I do feel whatever Jared says I do feel like I have Asperger's and whatever <laughs> or something you well, know I also think that like there's something to be said for I think a lot of people get into comedy because they like hanging out with funny people. Yeah. And I also think that it, if you hang out with funny people, it makes you better. Yeah. And I like, I, there are some people in Austin where I'm just like, I can't believe you hang out with me because you're so funny. Like you're, yeah. s- you're so like anytime I'm hanging out with like Mac Blake and Aaron Brooks, I'm like, I'm just so, I feel so blessed that I'm allowed to witness you guys hanging out. Cause you're so funny. Like just uh, being around that is like one of the best things about comedy. So like it's, you, you can't just retreat into a hole and, yeah. and write on your own and not talk to anyone. But like, there are a lot of big personalities uh, that sometimes leads to a lot of really stupid like drama and like mm-hmm. this person doesn't like this person and like that can be fun but if you're spending a lot of time on yeah. it it's stupid I would, yeah let's why don't we don't need any drama <laughs> in this scene all right let me see if there's anything else but I think I just want I think we're probably I mean we'll have to have you back on one day I love talking about this stuff so much so. once you've gone to New York and then you come back we can see how that's going I'll be like everything I told you on the last podcast was wrong yes I'm looking forward to that <laughs> since it'll be an evolution so then the question that we like to end on um as of one and a half episodes ago sure. is um what is your favorite joke that you've ever written or like you know you don't have to take it oh, seriously man. but one of your favorite jokes i mean my favorite joke is always like the most recent joke sure, like I that, mean the same way, yeah. yeah i've I, I don't I am man that's tough I I've is there anything that came to mind instantly even if you don't think it's the right answer um not really but I will say I've really been enjoying being more political in my comedy lately cool that that has been really fun and it's something that I avoided for a long time mm-hmm. because I didn't think I was good enough to do it well yeah and because um, it can get so preachy and and yeah. just not funny and uh it's been really fun to try and i don't know how successful i am at it but that is where most of my interests lie so it's nice to be able to talk about it so yeah i think that's because i have so much stuff in notebooks it's like i know it's tabled until i get to the point where i can make it funny because i'm not gonna sit there and preach you know that is very very self-aware of you (laughs) like well that i I mean i I imagine i I imagine doing it in front of people and then i'm like (laughs) nope I don't where, where are they supposed to laugh or like or mm-hmm. like in the perfect universe maybe they would laugh but like yeah you know. I mean I will say I feel like I'm supposed to say in this situation and it is true you should give it a try but like it's it's true that sometimes you're like it's that Ira Glass quote like your taste yeah. level is always higher right. than your ability level and sometimes yeah you're just like not ready to talk about certain things for right. sure and you know it's one of those things where yeah you can look at it again even if it's just in a month and you're yeah. maybe high or something and then all of a sudden <laughs> you figure out why it's fun, like what to say that would be funny I mean yeah it's not like I'm like I'm gonna wait until year eight to be right. political <laughs> um but so do you is there like one joke or like kind of topic or something that you could um well I like I do really like doing now because I 
I think I like this joke because it has made me feel better in the wake of Trump be, mm-hmm. uh, being elected is um, that I say that uh, I'm going to get some goodbye abortions yeah. just for old time's sake before they outlaw it. And then I'm like, oh, you know, uh, you know, like you get a shot right at last call and right. they take the alcohol away. That's me with abortions. Of course, <laughs> even now you're going to have to pay for the cremations or the right. uh, burial service. <laughs> uh, so it's a very expensive. Yeah, goodbye. I think it's just I think it's like in three or four days that's starting. So I got to oh, get really? one in now. Last, yeah, last, last call. call for like <laughs> moderately priced. There's still a few hundred dollars, guys. Don't uh, don't don't go nuts. Don't take abortions lightly. If for no other reason, then who can afford that? Like that's <laughs> I'm not made of money here. Yeah, if I was, I would have bought condoms. Well, there's so many free condoms, and there's free <laughs> condoms at the Valve now, you guys. At least in the women's restroom. It's true. It's true. There's female condoms in there too. I don't Are know you if serious? You've noticed. Yeah, with a really great graphic on the back. Mario's thought of everything. Yeah, That's please wonderful. don't take away the tampons and the female condoms. <laughs> I don't need to use them, but I do uh, take them and then give them away at my comedy show. So <laughs> nice, perfect. <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah. So, and then, do, do you have any sense of like uh, how? you wrote that joke or is it just is that something that just like that's a thought that came to you and you're like i'm gonna say that on stage pretty much that it was a thought that came to me that i it was gonna stay on stage i i was definitely like in the despair of like that night of him winning yeah uh just needing some i mean that i think that's what all of our brains do in comedy is like you just you have to make jokes because and if you're someone who makes jokes as a defense mechanism and you're someone who is not a fucking racist neo-nazi that's how you're dealing with this i think so yeah i was just uh in in the wake of him winning uh was writing some some material i guess Cool. All right. Well, we'll have to end on uh, writing jokes uh, uh, against the Trump despair. Do your best, everyone. That's all we ask. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good night and good luck. Whatever. I don't know how to end things. Bye. Bye. And if you're interested in following Kath uh, and listening to more of her hilarious content, uh, you can follow her at at uh, Kath Barbadero on Twitter and KathBarbadero.com. Well, it's really Kath Barbadoro, just to get the spelling, the pronunciation right, so we can get the spelling right. That's K-A-T-H-B-A-R-B, hold on, A-R-D-O-R-O. Did I keep up with myself? I'm not sure. (laughs) Barbadoro. Damn it. If you try to spell it, she's famous enough (laughs) that Google will get you there, but it's K-A-T-H space B-A-R-B-A-D-O-R-O. That's right. Next time. See you next time, guys. International.